What's up, everybody? My name is David E.J. Berger. You can find me at Carl Jr. on Twitter. And welcome to Training Camp Dialed In. I'll be featuring phone calls with NFL writers and reporters from the actual sidelines of camp, getting their first-hand accounts of the action from a fantasy perspective. This is the place to be all month long, as I'm bringing you three to four shows per week filled with football knowledge that's going to help your team win your leagues this season. So you need to subscribe to the Fantasy Authority feed, the exclusive home of the super short-run, super niche, and super essential podcast for the month of August. And we are back. We are back. Ooh, it feels good to hear that music once again. Well, it does for me. I hope it does for you. We are back. It is August. It's August, guys, officially. And you know what that means. It's time for some training camp dialed in. A podcast that's so short run, so niche. It only happens for four weeks of the year. But it has happened over and over. And now this is year five. Yeah, that's right. The fifth anniversary of this podcast. This is the fifth anniversary. Technically be the fourth anniversary, I guess. The fifth iteration, the fifth season, season five. Many people say that's when shows jump the shark, but I'm not jumping any sharks. I'm I'm attacking a shark. Okay. I'm getting in the water. I'm wrestling sharks this season because it's going to be better than ever. Our appetites, our interests, our desires about training camp, the information we need, it's it's ever-growing, ever-changing, and so will my questions. And we're going to get the nitty-gritty from reporters and writers who are on the sidelines of camp. That is why we're here. And this is year two with the Fantasy Authority. This little podcast will be featured on their feed. You can find them at FF underscore authority. Big shout out to Kevin, Robbie, Cody, Tom, all the guys and gals over there. It's draft season, and they have you covered, okay? They got short content. They got long-form content. In fact, they have a nice companion piece to this podcast where they're doing daily updates, recapping all the training camp news you need. So check that out. And yeah, here we go. If you're a new listener, thanks for checking this out. I think you'll find that I know what I'm doing-ish, hopefully, fifth year after all, like I said. And so what are we waiting for? Let's get right to it. And today we're talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Episode 101 for 2022 features talk about the 101 off many boards in all formats. Jonathan Taylor. We've got some hardcore Jonathan Taylor talk ahead. And let me tell you what, you Heinz heads, you Naheem Heinz heads out there. Well, you're going to be delighted as well. And the pit maniacs, you pit maniacs. Oh, just you wait. You know what? You don't have to wait. Let's get going. I dialed up Kevin Bowen. You can find him at kbowen1070 on Twitter. And he does it all. Radio host, writer, and producer for 1075 The Fan, ESPN's Indianapolis station, the flagship home of the Colts. He's covered this team since 2011. And again, you can find him at kbowen1070. And he's about to drop some knowledge right now. So what are we waiting for? Let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Bowen. Hey, David. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Good, man. You got me all right. 
I, I do. I do. Thank you so much for talking with me, coming in loud and clear. So happy to talk with you again. It's always a blast. Tons of great information. And unlike last year, Kevin, we don't have to kick it off with some major injury discussion. Uh, last year, you had a double whammy with Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson getting hurt early. What's it like with the smoother camp this year for the Colts to start the year? Yeah, I don't know if it's great for my article clicks, but it's probably good for like the hearts of Colts fans. Yeah, definitely a quieter start to camp, you know, four practices in as we record this. And, um, you know, so far it has been very quiet on the injury front. I mean, last year this time, like you said, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson, we just watched them practice for the last time uh, in, in training camp. Frank Reich had yet to see his team practice as well. He was out with COVID. So, you know, you factor all that in. It has been a little bit of a quieter start. Um, there's been, you know, good moments for the offense, good moments for the defense, full pads are on. And I think all in all, just the calmer nature of the offseason is exactly what the Colts wanted and, and got. Well, that's great. And uh, drafters, Kevin, are hungry for information on this team. Last year, moving from quarterback Phillip Rivers to Carson Wentz, the team actually stayed neutral in total points, finishing ninth in that category for the second year in a row in total yards. They were more in the middle of the pack, finishing 16th. But overall, these are pretty good considering they were 22nd in total plays run. So a fair amount of efficiency there. And when you have Jonathan Taylor (laughs) and the lead a lot, like the Colts did last year, they ended up uh, top five in rush attempts and 27th in pass attempts, a heavy split there. But there's a new QB in town with former Falcons QB Matt Ryan and a rising young star and wide receiver Michael Pittman. So the passing game could be trending up from what you've seen in herding camp and through OTAs. What should we expect from this offense in terms of scheme? formations should we expect a little more balance in 2022 or is that ground game going to still rule the day yeah i I think a little bit more balance i mean it was probably hard to get much more run centric than they were last season especially late in the year i know frank Wright did not like that from a tendency standpoint certainly at the same time you've got a workhorse in jonathan taylor uh, for a reason and you've got to feed him the football i do think matt ryan's arrival should let you take advantage of a few more favorable matchups in the passing game you know, heavy boxes, those sorts of situations. One thing that I really noticed, particularly today at, at training camp, and I've noticed now throughout the entire first week, um, I think Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines are going to be on the field together a whole lot. The Colts are really unproven a wideout. They're unproven a tight end as well. How do you make up for that? I think involving Taylor and Hines, two unique weapons, two versatile weapons, in particular Hines, uh, I think that's something that this offense tapped into a little bit last year, did not do it enough. And when they did it, they found great success. And so I I think we're going to see more and more of that this season. Well, I had them further down the show sheet here, but let's uh, let's get right into the Jonathan Taylor talk. Uh, he's the one-on-one off the board, Kev. I mean, every format imaginable. This guy is a fantasy superstar. And uh, when you score 20 touchdowns and have over 2,000 scrimmage yards, uh, that comes with the territory. Um, they're salivating to draft this guy. Uh, how has Taylor looked? Give us some hardcore Jonathan Taylor talk. Yeah, I, I would take him extremely high. I just think he's a rare, rare breed. And I say that on and off the field. Yeah, I think back to a story of Wisconsin of, you know, they get back from a Big Ten road game and he's had, whatever, 30-some carries in the game. And, you know, instead of going through his phone and juggling all the invitations he's getting to parties and whatnot, he heads straight to the ice bath. Uh, he's just a guy that I think has always been wired really big and kind of the, the prehab process to treating your body. And I know Father Time could be undefeated, and it has been undefeated at running back. And we saw it last year with Derrick Henry. Uh, but I really think Taylor has the opportunity to just be a guy that is different and can be that workhorse. Uh, he had some moments in the passing game last year that were big for the Colts as well, and obviously fantasy owners love that. Uh, now the offensive line does have two new starters. 
a new left tackle, Matt Pryor, is what it's looking like. He's competing with a rookie and Bernard Ryman. And then Danny Pinter, right guard, who the staff is high on, but he's never played guard in his life. So I, I think when you factor that in, it's just something you should note. But at the same time, availability and production. I mean, those are the words at running back that are so hard to find availability and consistent production. And yet Taylor has shown early in his NFL career he can offer that. I see no reason why he won't do it again. Now, there's some fantasy gurus slash analysts, uh, whatever you want to call them, who are still very much hung up on Naheem Hines. And you've mentioned he's on the field with Taylor a lot already, but he did see a dip in usage uh, from 2020 to 2021. Uh, he lost about 56 touches uh, from year to year. What are we thinking for Hines this year? I mean, could he limit Taylor's upside is he getting out there and, and and seemingly it seems like and it sounds like he's going to be more a part of the game plan and uh it, it, you know there is uh, maybe reason for concern uh in terms of uh, just a, a freakish volume amount yeah it, it's a good question you know I think as far as last year is concerned um I, I felt like two things contributed to it I think the play of the quarterback I and mean, if you look at nine Hines' catches throughout his career and I don't have them in front of me but I think this is pretty accurate with Andrew Luck and Phillip Rivers, he had over 60 catches in each of those two seasons. With Jacoby Reset and Carson Wentz, I think that number was like under 50 in both of those two. Um, so I think with Matt Ryan, a little bit more in the Phillip Rivers mode, you should get a guy that, it held Devontae Freeman had a, over 70 catches one year with Matt Ryan. So I think that's something to note. And then I think the coaching staff realizes they made a mistake last year. As, you know, were there times where the quarterback didn't get you know, Hines the ball enough, sure, but I think the coaching staff got away from him a little bit too much. This is also an offense that no longer has T.Y. Hilton, no longer has Jack Doyle, no longer has Zach Pascal. So in terms of guys that have proven themselves in the league, who you would define as reliable, there's not a lot of that on the roster, really, when you talk about the skill position. So they've been saying since the season ended last January that they need to get Naeem Hines the ball more. They group Hines in the Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, playmaker, you know, group. I don't know if I put them that high, but everything I have heard, everything I have seen leads me to think that Naheem Hines is going to be very active in this offense. Naheem Hines trending up. Uh, well, let's talk about Matt Ryan next. Uh, we mentioned him a few times. Uh, you know, he's a potential late round upside guy, or maybe even more as a solid quarterback too, in uh, super flex formats, which are uh, becoming more and more popular. But there's also a lot of ages out there. You know, he's 37. He's 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 past the age model, Kevin. How has he looked, though? Uh, and can you describe what, you know, what it's like with him at the helm versus the last two years? Obviously, a lot of turnover. Um, what's the vibe with Matt Ryan right now at camp? Yeah, I think it's very similar to Phillip Rivers a few years ago. And Matt Ryan's got the advantage where he might not obviously have the playbook history that Phillip Rivers had with Frank Reich, but he's had an entire offseason program and a normal training camp, whereas Phil Rivers did not have that. I think, you know, it might be a little bit more of a methodical approach to the offense. You know, take advantage of some things pre-snap. You know, rely on Matt Ryan's ability to process. I thought that was lacking last year. I don't want to act like this guy's got some arm that's going to wow you and some unteachable trait with arm strength. You know, the, the few vertical passing plays we've seen in camp largely a come off play action or things like that. We know he's not going to keep a ton of plays alive. So where you kind of label him, in that quarterback drafting position makes sense to me. Um, I, I would not start him if I were in a 10 or 12 man league or something like that. But I think there will be some games where, you know, he falls into a couple touchdowns and you know how finicky that can be around the goal line with things. Um, so like I said, in the earlier, you know, question you asked me about just a little bit more balance. Yes, there's going to be more balance, but I don't think it's going to be weighted too heavily to the past game, which would therefore mean Ryan is 
you know, a must draft and a top eight or 10 quarterback. Does Ryan have a, a favorite target in camp so far? Well, certainly it's Michael Pittman. Uh, I, I would I would say he is the definite guy. Uh, Mo Alley-Cox would probably be next on that list. Um, as I mentioned, Hines has been really active. You know, finding that second wide out, you know, we're about four practices in. You know, Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce, probably number two and three on that list, but not a big abundance of that. So, And both those guys are improving situations. Campbell would be health. Pierce would be just a rookie in the NFL. So again, we'll have to see how all of that unfolds. Yeah, let's dig a little bit deeper into this wide receiver group. Pittman uh, is getting a lot of buzz. Uh, drafters are very excited. He chipped in 88 catches last year for just over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. A big sophomore leap for him. Film grinders are saying this guy is hashtag good at the game and he's only getting better. Uh, what's Pittman's camp been like so far? Sounds like, uh, you know, he's, you know, the coaches like him. He's, he's a standout. You know, are you seeing improvement uh, this year compared to years past? Yeah, I'm pretty bullish on Michael Pittman. It wouldn't shock me at all if those numbers rose to, you know, around 100 catches and, you know, 12, 1,300 yards and, you know, maybe closer to 10 touchdowns. Now, as I mentioned earlier, no Hilton, no Doyle, no Pascal. More attention is going to be on him. Uh, but I think Matt Ryan will, you know, give him some opportunities to make plays in the 50-50 situations, you know, things like that. But, yeah, I, I really think when you look around the league, there's certainly better wideouts than Michael Pittman. I don't know how many wide receiver situations you'll find, though, where there's such a steep drop between number one and two on the list. I think we've seen it so far in camp. You know, Pittman, I think, has double the catches of any other wideout. And I got something that should be noted. Any usage changes for him? Uh, are they moving him around the field at all? Or are pretty much what we, we saw last year is, uh, you know, what, what we're going to do this year, but it's just a little bit more improved. Yeah, I, I think you're always looking to move him around. And, you know, I brought up the yards after catch thing, or I don't know if I did, but I, that is something that I felt like Phil Rivers did a really nice job with. Carson Wentz struggled with that. I do think Matt Ryan can tap into more of that. And, you know, Pittman, I've always said this about Pittman, David. He is 6'4", 220. There is no USC pretty boy in his game. He is the son of a 10-year veteran running back in Michael Pittman Sr. And when you watch Michael Pittman Jr. run after the catch, you see that. He embraces contact. He looks to make plays after the catch. But really, a lot of his big plays in the NFL have been kind of post-catch. He showed some 50-50 stuff. I pointed the ball in the air last year. But I think in particular, his rookie season, he made some nice plays after the catch. I think the Colts want to get back to that. Now you've mentioned uh, Alec Pierce and uh, Paris Campbell so far. Do, do they, you know, you think that will be the uh, the three receiver set? And uh, how do you see them lining up? Is is Paris that slot guy, Alec on the outside? And I know that you know Deep Dynasty Twitter loves them some Ashton Doolin. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty well put. Um, you know, Campbell in the slot, Pierce a little bit more outside. Doolin would be the fourth wideout for me. Now he's one injury away from playing a really big role. Uh, but that's how I would look at the wide receiver pecking order right now. We'll see if they had a veteran wideout. It's something I've been clamoring for really all of camp um, and, and all offseason long. They have not done that yet, but I do think it's something that they might tap into. Uh, but like I said earlier, I do think there's kind of a steep drop from Pittman to the next next one. Where are you at with the Alec Pierce pick? Were you uh, a fan of that pick? Uh, you know, I feel like it's uh, polarizing around football circles. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, I, I like Pierce. Um, I'll fully admit I'm a Notre Dame fan, so probably what he did to me in South Bend this past fall uh, was a tough pill to swallow. My alma mater's Indiana University. He also makes big plays in that stadium uh, last fall. Um, as far as that pick, you know, I, I was thinking more Sky Moore in that situation. You know, I feel like Pierce is still built similarly to Michael Pittman. 
And I, I just thought a little bit more of a guy that could do some things after the catch, a little bit of a shiftier guy in Sky Moore would have been the route that I would have gone. But I, I think Pierce has shown it's early in camp, but the night practice the other night, he did a really nice job beating press coverage and, you know, kind of finding easy access on a couple of different routes, just a straight kind of vertical pump and go situation and a slant route as well. And those are, you know, massive things to see in a rookie wideout. I think the question is, can he polish the rest of that route tree? So far, it's been pretty quiet in the 11-on-11 work in terms of him actually catching the football from Matt Ryan. Uh, There was one drop. I don't act like there's been a ton of drops. Um, But I believe he only has one catch in four days of practice with the starting offense. So I'm still not ready to, you know, act like he's going to be some breakout star. But the thing about him that I think will get some people to maybe jump on board is, you know, you look at him at Cincinnati – you know, he could have one catch for 30 yards and a touchdown, and all of a sudden he makes that one play that single-handedly changes the game. Well, he sprinkles in another couple catches, and, you know, three for 55 and a touchdown, that's that's not a bad day. So I, I think that'll be something to keep an eye on. Are we leaving the light on for Paris Campbell to be fantasy relevant? I mean, the Colts certainly are. You know, the thing about Paris is, if healthy, they will utilize him. Um, you know, the Campbell thing is such an interesting dynamic for me. I, I think he's a good receiver when healthy, of course, is the caveat. If you look at his three years in the NFL, though, he's played 15 games and he has 360 receiving yards. Like, that's a really small number. He's got two touchdowns in his entire NFL career. Like, that's a really small number. Um, so I think there are still some questions about can he prove it. I do think his route tree and Matt Ryan's strengths – kind of pair up in terms of running crossers and, you know, kind of getting those man beaters in there, making some plays post-catch. Um, so I do think those are some things to continue to watch and and keep an eye on. And he had a great season debut with Phillip Rivers a couple of years ago. Uh, Harrison Smith tackled him in week two, blew out his knee, and and, and that was it for him. So um, that is something that I think the Colts believe he can tap into getting back into what Bill Rivers did with them in that short, short sample size or small, small sample size and potentially what Matt Ryan can do with them. Excellent stuff. Uh, this is why we're here, Kev. Uh, all right, let's round to the finish in the tight end room where gamers definitely need some help. There's Mo Ali Cox, who you've mentioned, uh, and sounds like he's an early favorite for Matt Ryan. And he has a fair amount of truthers out there who've wanted this guy to break out since the dawn of time. Kyle Granson has his own truthers somehow. Rookie Jelani Woods, uh, super athletic, potentially on a certain podcast host dynasty team. We won't go into that too much, but you know, if we get <laughs> some some positive Jelani Woods talk, that'd be cool. Can you talk to us about the tight ends uh, for, for the Indianapolis? Are we going to have a fantasy relevant one? Yeah, I, I think Mo Ali Cox is that. I mean, there's the Jack Doyle amount of targets that has to go to somebody. I think Ali Cox can benefit from that. And, you know, we saw with Mo, I mean, he's been a bit of a touchdown guy for stretches throughout his career. And now he's going to get consistent playing time throughout those stretches. We know Frank Reich loves to use tight ends. I don't think at this point Jelani Woods, Kylan Branson, Drew Ogletree are super relevant. Um, I guess it depends how deep your league is. Obviously, Dynasty League would be a little bit different. But if Mo Cox goes down, then a guy like Jelani Woods or Kylan Granson would certainly ascend to, you know, very, very important. Uh, but as of now, I think Mo Cox is a guy that is clearly, similar to Pittman at wide receiver, clearly the top tight end and the ability to, you know, get whatever, six or seven targets a game and kind of eat up what Jack Doyle was getting, I think is very much there for him. Excellent stuff, Kevin. I'm going to get you out of here. Uh, one final question, uh, but it's a bit of a toughie. Uh, I always ask you here, what is your boldest fantasy prediction 
for the Colts in 2022? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, Campbell's health has always been such a just such a tough thing to to, to grasp. So many of those injuries, you feel like they're just kind of flukish and freakish injuries. But unfortunately, the back of his baseball card says 15 games in three years. I do think if healthy, he would play a really really big role for the Colts. My boldest fantasy prediction is I think Naeem Hines will lead all running backs in receiving yards. You know, Austin Eckler will certainly have something to say about that. There's probably a few others that can factor into that mix. But I just think if they don't make another move at wideout, I really feel like Naeem Hines is going to get a lot of usage this season. Matt Ryan, I think, is impressed by him. Again, I brought the Devontae Freeman catch total before. I think Hines is much more suited to be that receiving back than a guy like Freeman. Um, so, yes, I will go with that. Ooh, well, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good one, Kevin. Uh, all right, well, thank you again, as always. And I want to give you a, a second here. Where can people find all your stuff? Yeah, KBowen1070. KBowen1070 on Twitter is where you can find all my content. I link to some stuff on there. I also co-host the morning show here in Indianapolis every morning from 7 to 10 a.m. So, yeah, KBowen1070 on Twitter. Kevin, thank you so much as always. And, wow, that was uh, a clinic. Uh, just, I mean, this <laughs> I'm super uh, impressed as always. So, thanks again and uh, have a great day and, uh, you know, and a great season. Thanks, David. Always enjoy our conversations. Naheem Hines bounce back season you are now dialed in